0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw,
0: baby. Just a few.
1: (laughs) All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too.
0: (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by
1: The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski.
0: Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to this, the final edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, at least for this decade. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 to score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, first of all, happy almost New Year's Eve to you. We're recording this on December 30th, so we're about, oh, 26 hours from the end of the decade, or is the you know, Pedance wants to say a year and an hour and t- <laughs> or whatever, you know, since apparently the decade doesn't end until the end of 2020. But
1: that's neither here nor there.
0: How are you planning on celebrating the new year?
1: Uh, I am hosting a party at our house with our uh, local friends. Nothing nothing crazy, just low key. And then uh, I've got ai am going to, so the Hawks play New Year's Eve at 8. That's convenient for no one. Uh, so I'm going to actually wake <sighs> yeah. up in the morning. And record that day's locked on podcast and just release it later than usual. Cause I'm not. There's no way I'm having a party and watching the Hawks game with all my guests there. That's no one wants that. Um right. okay, anyway, so uh I'm gonna tell you how to get in touch with the podcast if you don't know already. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. My personal account is at JZawski670. You can find James Navo at James Naveau, oddly enough. And uh, check out James's writing on the NBC uh chicago website the madhouse enforcer blog and uh yeah we're easy to find make sure you rate subscribe to the podcast uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button that's very helpful for uh james and i to get noticed to get likes to get all those things that we need to have a successful podcast but uh since we last spoke we had an emergency podcast on thursday when we got the brent seabrook news since then the hawks have beaten the new york islanders five to two and one of their more uh impressive performances of the year and then rallied last night Sunday night against Columbus in Columbus down to nothing uh, seven minutes into the third period the Hawks tie the game and win it in the shootout so uh, you know I think what could have been a there have been a couple of these moments this year James where there it seemed like it could have been the point where everything falls apart the 7-1 loss to New Jersey of course could have been one of those Brent Seabrook just not being part of the team anymore could have been one of those. But the Hawks bounced back uh, in both those games with good responses. And I don't know what it means long-term, and you've been the guy who's been very level-headed this year, to your credit. Uh, But so far, so good. You have to like the response they've had since that 7-1 loss to New Jersey and since Brent Seabrook left the team uh, officially for the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously Columbus is, uh, you know, they're they're not quite the juggernaut team that, you know, we're kind of... You know, we're wanting to see the Blackhawks kind of beat. They're roughly about the same number of points as the Blackhawks this season, I think. They're, I think, like 17, 14, and 8 or something like that. So pretty close to the Hawks' skill level. That game against the Islanders, though, the Islanders are a really solid and strong hockey team. And the Blackhawks had an early lead on them. The Islanders pushed back a little bit, and the Blackhawks were able to hold them off and to win that game. I was hugely impressed with that victory, especially after such an absolute dud against the devils. And I know we have said it repeatedly this season that we've thought that the Blackhawks are kind of, you know, maybe they're going to finally turn things around. Like maybe this is the moment that finally embarrasses them into actually like coming out and playing really well. We've kept saying it over and over again. It hasn't panned out that way. Maybe this one is finally it. I have no idea. More we're th- only halfway through the season and it finally <laughs> got to this point, right? But the Blackhawks, I thought, just from top to bottom, I thought had a really solid game against the Islanders. I really liked what I saw from basically everybody in terms of offense. I know they gave up a lot of shots on goal, but a lot of that was because the Islanders were trying to come back in that game. I, there weren't a lot of like negative performances I could just kind of easily point to and be like, that guy completely sucked. You know, like right. it was... A very interesting game and a very well-played game, I thought, for the Blackhawks, and it was a great statement to make bouncing back after that just abysmal loss to New Jersey.
1: Well, the Hawks have had their worst games against bad teams this year. I think we sort of mentioned that after the Devils game. Uh, That seems to be the case, and Jeremy Calton made a good point after that loss to the Devils of like, look, we're not good enough to just show up and beat anybody. We're not just gonna skate circles around it, just anybody. And the Hawks, after beating Colorado convincingly, in Colorado, then you know, the game before that, beating the Jets four to one, they're feeling good. They're strutting their stuff. They just be two pretty solid teams, somewhat convincingly, and they think they're just gonna go in there, roll out the puck, and skate to victory against the Devils, and it's not the case. And Jeremy Counton made that very clear. We are not talented enough to go out there and just recreate for 60 minutes and and skate away with a win and we've seen it all year when the Blackhawks compete they can play with anybody in the league they can I'm it's proven when you see them keep the game simple skate hard four check hard finish your checks make the smart plays they're capable of hanging they've got the high-end talent and I think that's why the season's been such a disappointment because before the injuries we looked at this team on paper and said they're better than they're playing. They're, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so even with Sod out and Dehan out and Seabrook out, you've still got some guys who are capable of doing some good things. And, and the the silver lining to the Shaw injury and the Sod injury is that you got Kirby Dock now playing in top six and he's looked good. He's looked like he's been uh, over the last handful of games. He's been his best and most consistent. Adam Boquist is getting opportunities. Uh, on the power play, at the, on the top pair with Duncan Keith, so and those guys have held their own. They're not lighting up the scoreboard by any means, but they're holding their own. So, uh, look, if they compete and they play hard, they're going to be in most games. I still don't think they're a playoff team. I still don't think they're a Stanley Cup contender, obviously. But if they yeah. can play, put forth the kind of effort they played against the Islanders and then in the third period against Columbus, they could, they could, you know, they could be in the conversation in the last month of the season. And that's really where they want to be. I think
0: at least just keep things competitive, right? Like you don't want to go out there and just get railroaded by teams every three or four games. Like that's not what we want as obviously as fans to see, it's not good for anybody's development. You obviously want them to be as competitive as possible in as many games as possible. And I think the last two games have been a good illustration of the fact that the Blackhawks are talented enough to at least be competitive In most games and you kind of stole my thunder just a little bit. I was going to point out two of the things that have kind of stood out in the last two games about the Blackhawks. One of which has been the usage of those young players getting Kirby Doc some time on the power play and getting him some top six minutes. I've really liked what I've seen from him getting Adam Boquist top top unit power play time in that game against Columbus was huge. The Blackhawks have not been a good power play team lately. They're not moving the puck well. I thought it was high time for Adam Boquist to get a shot to do that. That's exactly the kind of thing he should be good at. I want to see more of that moving forward. So you had that element of it, the player usage element that I've really liked. I've also liked the fact that the guys that they kind of need to start stepping up are starting to once again step up. Your Jonathan Tabes, who had a goal against the Islanders and had a filthy shootout goal against columbus the other night absolutely yes. loved that one alex de had a goal against the islanders dylan strome had a goal against the blue jackets i mean those guys they need to be the ones that are stepping up and all three of them have been those last two games and it's not a coincidence that the blackhawks won both of them
1: you know you had a pretty sick shootout move when you injured the goalie <laughs> <Not to laughs> i still make don't life... know
0: exactly what he did yeah it was weird like,
1: it I was think so strange. I think maybe the pad like twisting off his leg might have like tweaked a muscle or something. That's what it looked like because when he came, when uh, Corpusalo came up from the ice, you saw that like the leg pad was over like to the side of his thigh, like his charley horse area, and those things are buckled so tightly that probably moved something with it when it moves. So that did not and it looked to to you did it look like it got worse as time went on? Like at first he was like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable. And then by the time he got to the bench, he was in agony. That was rough looking.
0: Yeah. I have absolutely, it looked like what happens when you wake up with a Charlie horse, you're like, Ooh, Ooh, this is going to hurt. And then you try to step (laughs) on it and you're like, Oh dear God, my entire leg just fell off. Like what the hell is going on here? Like not, not to like make light of it or anything, but that was kind of the progression that he kind of went through. And you know, obviously I really hope he's going to be okay. That looked absolutely nasty when that happened and he just could not put any weight on that leg at all. It was just very, it was a very odd kind of shootout because you're already kind of thinking about, oh, Robin Leonard, you know, all of his struggles in the shootout and there's already all that drama. And then all of a sudden that drama bomb kind of gets like dumped into the middle of things. And all of a sudden Columbus has to go to their backup goalie for the last uh, shooter. And it's like, oh, by the way, The guy you get to face, you get to face Patrick Kane. Have fun with that.
1: Yeah, good luck. Good luck to you and your family. A couple things we got to get to, by the way. Speaking of Patrick Kane, he was named an All-Star for the ninth time on Monday. Uh, Jonathan Taves is like in the next man in vote, so that voting starts on Wednesday. If you want to go to NHL.com starting Wednesday and cast a vote for Jonathan Taves, make sure you do that. James, I have to tell you, last night after the Hawks game, me and a group of ten friends, Went to barrel club for dinner and we were f- celebrating my friend Sherry's birthday. Ten of us worked up an eight hundred dollar tab. <laughs>
0: Holy of shit. Food sorry. And- <laughs> bleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of food and booze and appetizers. We spared no expense. It's like once a year, I'll do that. Like it's the New Year's meal. It was also my friend's birthday. So we're like, screw it, let's just do it up. Everybody in our group. Oh, you did it up all right. Oh my God. Everybody in our group, every bite was raved about. Everybody was thrilled. Go visit our friends at the Barrel Club, 4910 West 110th Street. They've only been open for a few months, but man, you need a reservation almost every night. The Barrel Club is where it's at. Not only do they have the top flight cocktails, but the steaks are tremendous. I once again went with the ribeye, which was tremendous. The special last night was smoked ribs and they came out and everyone said, I should have ordered that because the smell was so amazing. Uh, there were, there was candied bacon. It was just an unbelievable dining experience. Everyone in my party was thrilled. And if you're looking for a nice night out with your wife, with your husband, with whoever check out the barrel club in Oakland, forty nine ten West 111 street and join their spirit of the month club. You will not regret it. I believe December spirit is the apple pie moonshine. Yeah. That's uh that gets it done. All right, so we mentioned the All-Star thing. I don't know if we've promoted yet, by the way. Next segment, we're going to do our Blackhawks all-decade team as the decade comes to a close on Tuesday. James and I are going to assign our all-decade team, and it's not going to be the 12 best forwards and the 12 or the six best defensemen and the two best goalies. We're we're building a real team. So, a first line, a second line, a third line, a fourth line, three pairs and two goalies and uh, I had a lot more trouble making this list than I thought I would so stick around you'll hear mine you'll hear James's uh, but we want to tie a bow on some of the news items of the week Uh, Patrick Kane nine-time all-star I don't know if you saw this earlier this week James and I have not talked about this on either podcast the NHL on NBC released their list of the 10 best players of the decade did you see this i did yeah this is the dumbest that look (laughs) i know that i'm being i know i'm a homer (laughs) i understand that i have a rooting interest for the blackhawks i know i'm a blackhawks fan all that stuff acknowledged this is the biggest crock of crap i've ever seen in my life the 10 best players of the decade does not include patrick kane how in the bloody hell does that happen here's the top 10 i was
0: gonna say please tell the listeners the top 10 so you don't think that we're just being like how dare he then not include him and then it's like 10 really good players
1: they are 10 really good players but they're nowhere near what they should be number one Sidney crosby
0: okay i can go with that yeah
1: of course right that's legit that's that he should be there there's no doubt about it number two alex ovechkin I yes. think if you asked 100 hockey fans who were the two best players of the decade, the answers would be Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. Yep. Here's where Patrick Kane should be. Number three. Ooh, number okay. three on their list is Eric Carlson. A yeah, w-
0: that's no.
1: A one-dimensional offensive defenseman. And look, top 10 of the decade? Maybe. I can get on board with that. Number nine, number 10? Maybe. Okay. Number yeah. 4, Patrice Bergeron.
0: Okay, see, I I saw a lot of people assailing this pick. I like him in the top probably 5, but I think 4 might be a go-shy, especially when you consider who he got picked ahead of.
1: Well, not only that, if you have Patrice Bergeron at 4, there's no way Jonathan Taves is not in the top 10. Right. Cuz those two guys are very similar. All right, number 5, Connor McDavid. Okay, fine. Who
0: should be higher, by the way. For
1: sure. I can get on board with that. Number six, Evgeny Malkin. Okay, fair. Yeah. Number seven, Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, maybe See, the best goalie of the generation. The, I think
0: he was the best goalie of the decade, yeah. so I can go with that. I think
1: Jonathan Quick has an argument, but okay. I, for the sake of argument, fine, Henrik Lundqvist. Okay. Number eight, Anze Kopitar. Again,
0: mm, give me yeah, Taves. it's that Taves-Bergeron thing.
1: Number nine, Steven Stamkos, who spent a lot of the decade no. injured.
0: That is not, no, he's not in my top 10. That and, is definitely not a guy I would include.
1: And number 10 is Dano O'Chara.
0: No, so also here, a no. So
1: here's the problem. You take Patrick Kane over all these guys, except for probably McDavid, but McDavid had a shorter decade. That's why he's lower in the list. Sure. But to me, Kane is third on this list. Also missing, how about Duncan Keith? Yeah. Maybe the best defenseman in Blackhawks history, a history that includes Chris Chelios and, and Pierre Plot, and He's Bobby Orr. definitely
0: better than Zidane O'Chara. Zero question. He's better than Eric Carlson. a better Carlson. player than Eric Carlson.
1: So the fact that Kane and Keith are not on this list is ridiculous. And I know that sometimes these things are made just to get conversation, to get people heated, but you cannot, in your right mind, get a panel of people together to discuss this, and no one's like, wait a minute, shouldn't three-time Stanley Cup champion Patrick Kane be on the top ten players of the decade list? I would sure think so.
0: That's crazy. There's, I believe their argument was the off ice issues played into it.
1: Okay, I mean, fine, I guess. And if that's how they're going to do it, they need they need to make that clear first of all.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: I mean, that's it's like leaving Bobby Hull off a top, you know, ten Blackhawks players of all time because he had off the ice issues, and you know. I don't know. It's weird. Are we talking about hockey? Are we talking about off the ice stuff? I think they're two different topics. And
0: it's 10 best players of the decade. Just because the off ice stuff happened does not diminish what he did on the ice. Correct. You're not saying most valuable. You're not saying anything that would bring in that as like a potential piece like a criteria thing. So no, I, I obviously disagree with them not including Patrick Kane on that list. I think that He's a far superior option to at least four of the guys that they did include. So I would probably have Kane in that like five or six area. I, st- I do think that Crosby, Ovechkin, and McDavid are definitely my top three. And then it's like number four is where I start to kind of consider putting Patrick Kane.
1: The only reason I'd put Kane ahead of McDavid is because we're talking about this past decade. And McDavid's only been involved for, like, half of it, not even half of it. Still,
0: he's still just a generational talent, There's no doubt. that's, it's so hard. Like, I've seen some lists that have had him ahead of Alex Ovechkin, and I do think that's outrageous because Ovechkin's a generational talent, too.
1: Yeah, but look, if you want to flip-flop him and Kane, fine. But to not have Patrick Kane, first of all, he should be top five, no question. And to not have him on the list is absurd. Tell me one general manager in hockey that would prefer Duncan or Eric Carlson or Zdeno Char in their primes over Duncan Keith. Come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah, when
0: you put them all in their primes, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Duncan Keith was the best all-around defenseman of the decade. He was
1: a shutdown defender and a plus-plus offensive defenseman. He,
0: he won the Norris Trophy twice, for God's sake.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that And should have was... won
0: the uh, Conn Smythe in 2015.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He did. win oh, wait, he did the he 2015. It in twenty fifteen.
0: My, bad. yeah, my bad. I was, I, I went into that whole like, oh, Patrick Kane talking about Corey Crawford thing. That was twenty thirteen, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, anyway, anyway yeah, My Apologies. It's all right. No, it's just a, it's just a, it's crazy. And I know I saw the greatest thing was I actually posted it on the Madhouse Podcast Instagram, the video of the thing. It's if you don't follow us, by the way, Madhouse underscore Pod. I need to get more active on there. I will. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I, I filmed a video of, like, all the reactions to that post. It's like, is Patrick Kane dead? What happened to Patrick Kane? How's Patrick Kane not on this list? So everyone called them on it right away, which was great. Um. Anyway, let's tell you about our sponsors, our longtime sponsor, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team and corporate outfitting needs, give Chris a call, 708-478-6090. Whatever you need, be it polos for your business or hockey jerseys for your beer, for your beer league team, you're going to look like the best outfitted group in whatever function you're at so give them a call seven zero eight four seven eight six zero nine zero 6090 or email chris at triple dot triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it all right when we come back the time has come james and i will reveal our all decade chicago blackhawks roster you're not going to want to miss it stick around on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: Schedule your free product tour right now at NetSuite.com play. NetSuite.com play. What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in. Trying to count the best of shade, but well, well you I'm, did one time. Yeah, <laughs> one, 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 one. <laughs> Subscribe now to the Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here with my partner James Naveau out in Bourbon A. Tonight, I want to tell you about our friends at Chuck's on the Coverage Cafe, they've got locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com check out their menu, check out their specials. The specials are where the real sweet spot of Chuck's is, but everything's good. I always say bring friends there, bring, bring a big group and everyone will find something they like. Wings, burgers, great Mexican food, great Cajun food, some of the best jambalaya I've ever had in my life. The desserts are to die for. So go visit our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe, Burbank, Darien, chuckscafe.com. You will love every single bite. All right. So, it is time to unveil our all-decade Blackhawks team. And I, I sort of said it last segment, but let me set this up. The idea was, instead of saying these are the four best left wings, the four best centers, and the four best right wings, and the six best defensemen, and the two best goalies, I thought it's kind of boring. I thought it was kind of obvious. So what we did was we're building a team top to bottom. So an all-decade first line, an all-decade second line, and all decade third line and all decade fourth line. So fourth liners are on our fourth line, third liners are on our third line and so on and so on. Defensive pairs were a little more flexible because they bounce around so much especially since a lot of this decade was under Joel Quenneville. Yeah. I have a starting goalie and I have a backup goalie. So I don't have you know, I don't have two guys that were regular starters for the team. I'm fair to midland sure one of our goaltenders is going to be the same. But... I would imagine so. Yes. Um, and then I'm gonna do an honorable mention defenseman and an honorable mention uh forward, but I'll probably just do that as I go down the line here because I, I they're gonna that, come I up. I think
0: that's totally fine, yeah.
1: All right, do you wanna start it off or do you want me to go first? Where should we start? Why don't we start with our first lines? Okay. You go first and then I'll give you my first line. And you can give us All your right, justifications. So page.
0: this is going to shock so many listeners. My top line center is Jonathan Taves. <gasps> <Duh>. What
1: <laughs> the hell you yeah, say? I mean,
0: that I mean, that really <laughs> doesn't need any explanation at all. Just like my top line right winger doesn't need any explanation. It's Patrick Kane. I mean, those are the, the two, probably two of the best forwards, if not the two best forwards, the Blackhawks had in this decade. I think that's pretty obvious. I think where you and I are probably going to differ is who is on that top line left wing. Who do you think my guy is?
1: I'm going to guess you went with Artemi Panarin.
0: I absolutely went with Artemi Panarin. I know that he only played with the Blackhawks for two seasons. I know he did not win a Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks. But when you look at his points per game, you look at the just insane production he put up as soon as he got into the National Hockey League. I know Two years out of 10, the math isn't very good. It's only a fifth of the decade, whatever. My rule was that a skater had to play at least 150 games with the Blackhawks in order to qualify for this list, so almost two full seasons. He obviously got in over that threshold, and as a result, and because of how good he played while he was here, Another one of my criteria, so this isn't like a reputation thing where they went somewhere else and played really well afterward. It was based solely on what they did yeah. in Chicago. Artemi Panarin is on my first line.
1: Okay, you and I are lockstep on center and right wing. I have Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. My top line left wing is Patrick Sharp. 532 points in 749 games, part of the most one-sided traits in the history of sport. And I like saying sport, not sports in the history (laughs) of sports uh, traded for Matt freaking Ellison, who I think played six games or seven games total for the Flyers after that trade was made Uh, absolute steal, a three time Stanley Cup champion, uh, a guy who could do it all penalty kill power play, uh, obviously even strength because everybody can do that. Patrick Sharp uh, narrowly beat out my second line left wing. Uh, Patrick Sharp is my decade top left wing.
0: Yeah, and completely like reasonable. Like, I they obviously he obviously played with Taves and Kane. That was the nuclear option line at times when he was playing with the Blackhawks in the early part of that decade. I mean, he obviously he's obviously on my team as well, but just the raw explosive talent of Artemi Panarin, it was hard not to put him on the top
1: line. All right, fair enough. Let's hear your second line.
0: All right. So my second line, the second line is where we're going to start getting, I think, into some real differences of, you know, not necessarily opinion, because I don't think there's a lot of arguing that these guys are really talented and they kind of deserve mention. My second line center, I went back and forth on this a million times and ultimately settled on Artem and Isimov as my second line center. Okay. Basically interchangeable with my third line center. So I'm sure if I was Jeremy Colleton, I'd probably hit the blender on it occasionally. My top, my second line left wing is Patrick Sharp for all the reasons that you mentioned. Incredible goal, goal score. Love the way he always gets open areas of the ice. Very consistent player. Very, I loved the way he just kind of had like the workman attitude towards playing. He wasn't always trying to make the flashy play. He just tried to make the play. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that about him. My right winger also like had a lot of going back and forth on this with the guy who ended up on my third line right wing. I have Alex Dobrinkett as my second line right winger. Wow. I know he's only in his third year in the league. I know, I know. But his first two years in the NHL have been really good. I know he's struggled a bit this season, but man, that having that guy in your top six if he wasn't going to be there i don't think he would have been in the mix and i just i couldn't do it i had to include him in that mix
1: all right alex to was left off my list and it was a tough conversation for myself between him and artemi panarin who is my second line left winger uh like you said when you justified your panarin pick and totally reasonable uh just a dynamic player made patrick kane uh, played the best hockey he had played up to that point. So he's my second line left wing, my second line center and this was tough because there's a lot of guys who did it in the short term. You know Brad Richards was here, Antoine Vermette did it a little bit, yep. even my beloved Teuvo Teravainen got some second line ticket center, but he never really established himself until he left. My second line center is Dylan Strom. I think wow. with the body body of work he's had He's going to be here for, the, for I mean, probably for the long term, and he's been nearly a point-per-game player since that trade was made. Him and had obviously have really good chemistry, and it's almost for a lack of a dedicated second-line center on this team throughout their heyday. It's always just sort of been whoever they trade for, whoever they sign to a one-year deal sort of si- filling in. Anisimov yeah. was a guy considered. I have him on my list. But I just couldn't do it. I I can't find an argument in my head that takes him over Dylan Strom in really any category. So Dylan Strom is my second line center of the decade. And my right wing is the demigod himself, Marion Hosa. I don't know how this team can exist without Marion Hosa on it. Uh t- don't
0: worry, fans. I did not forget Marion Hosa. Oh, you
1: might be bending the rules by putting Hosa on your third line, but I'll allow it. Because <laughs> Hosa is God and can do what he pleases, my friend. Um, but, yeah, Marion Hosa, look, I, I almost considered putting him on the top line, not over Patrick Kane, but just because he played on the top line more often. Kane was always you know making that second line go and right. helping out with the team's depth. But uh, Marion Hosa, for obvious reasons, I, I said when he retired – or I'm sorry, when he had to stop playing um, – that he, it was an honor to watch him play, and I still feel that way about him. It's a guy who – I think of all the Blackhawks I watched play during this era, aside from maybe Patrick Kane, uh, Hossa brought me the most joy, just seeing the absolute skill, the absolute domination, uh, just a, a perfect prototype hockey player. So that is my second line. It is Dylan Strome centering Artemi Panarin and Marion Hossa. Oh, can we bring that back, please? Oh, uh, it'd be so great, right? Yes. Um, Dylan Strome, not on
0: my list at all, not even an honorable mention didn't hit the 150 game threshold okay so he's not included on my list
1: he's got to be right there though right pretty
0: close well to i mean a... they acquired him mid-season last year yeah, don't he's... forget yeah, so he's, he's still got a little ways yeah. to go the one guy i was kind of surprised to see actually hit the number ben smith really ben smith played in 156 games so he did
1: qualify okay let me hear your third line
0: all right, so the third line is centered by the guy that I kept going back and forth on for the second line. I'm sure this is not going to shock anybody. It's Dave Boland. Yep. I thought I thought Dave Boland was just the prototypical, perfect third line center. He's a guy who has a little bit of offensive upside, had some defensive abilities too, and just was a pest. Was just always in your face. And that's exactly what you need from that type of forward. You want a guy that can do All of those things kind of well. He wasn't elite at anything, but, man, that guy maximized every bit of talent that he had at the NHL level, and I loved watching him play for the Chicago Blackhawks. So he is my third-line center, and the line he is centering has Brandon Saad Mm -hmm. on the left wing. I I figure he's that type of guy who can also play defense well, as we saw when he was First breaking into the league, really took after Marion Hosa really well with the defensive side of things. Obviously, also a very talented offensive player. So I have him on my third line, along with the demigod himself, Marion Hosa. So Bolin centering a line with Sod and Hosa. You might as well call that your freaking second line, right? Like that is, I think, a really good combination of players and it goes across kind of the eras a little bit with the Blackhawks, and man, I just, I love that combination together. And I think that it makes a really good third line that can do a lot of things well.
1: Well, the beauty part of that is you're never going to score on that line.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> Not with Hosa and Sod on wing. There is absolutely
1: no way. Yeah.
0: And they can generate offense too. Absolutely. But like that's. You get the best of both worlds with that line. I like it a lot.
1: All right. My second line. Uh, I'm sorry. My third line, Dave Boland, who wrote the forward of my upcoming Blackhawks book, by the way, he's my center. Brandon Sod is my left wing. And as I had Marion Hossa on my second line, my third line right winger is Christopher Stieg, who was a better player than we remember. I know towards the end, he became very frustrating And, uh, you know, when he lost the prime years of his skating ability and his offensive ability, he wasn't quite the dynamic player he was in 2010. Go back and watch those 2010 playoffs and remember how great of a player Christopher Stieg was for the Blackhawks. He was all over the place. He's kind of the idealized Drake Kajula, which we all hope he will someday become if he can ever get back on the ice. Small guy, lots of speed, lots of scoring upside, played with a ton of energy. Christopher Stieg is my third line right wing.
0: Dude, I love Chris Versteeg. He is one of my, I have two honorable mention forwards. He is one of them. I ended up, he ended up in a dog fight with another player for my fourth line right wing spot. And I just, I ended up putting him down there, not because of anything that, he did wrong or anything like that. It's just when you have to make a really difficult choice, you just end up making it and stick with it, and you hope you got it right. All right, so, let's hear your fourth line. First,
1: he's on my honorable mention list. My honorable mention is also part of my third line. I went with Brandon Sod over Andrew Ladd um just because I think Sod's a more dynamic player. Ladd was good, probably a little more offense than Sod, uh, more offensively focused anyway, but I think the combination of everything Sod has as a player and pl- I mean you got to consider the way he was playing even this year uh sod one out over Andrew Ladd
0: uh Andrew Ladd also did not qualify for my list did not play 150 games with the Blackhawks in this decade that's crazy I know right especially two stints but
1: that second stint was so short
0: he was he was on my watch list I essentially did like my 10 just absolutely will have them on the team guys and then i had him on the like list of guys to look into and when i set the 150 game benchmark he didn't make it and i was like well that makes that decision easy there you go um my fourth line god there was so much like back and forth on this line i wonder if you had the same experience i did where I you did. just you kept trying to not at center marcus is yeah. my fourth line center no i doubt. think that was pretty obvious but the winger spots good god i went back and forth on this so much I actually put Brian Bickle at my fourth line left wing spot because I wanted some size in my lineup. I wanted a guy that could go to the front of the net on the power play. I just, I wanted him in there. So I put him at left wing. My right wing, another big time debate. Christopher Steagle, like I said, was right there in the mix until the very end. I ended up going with Troy Brower, man. Okay. Troy Brower, I ended up going with, I. I liked it. He played with some physicality. I also like the fact that he actually had the ninth best goals per game average on the Blackhawks during the 2010s. No kidding. He actually scored. Yeah, he scored at the same rate as a guy named Brandon Saad. He scored slightly better than Dave Boland. I mean, he legit like that. It was really surprising to me to see that. So Brandon or uh, Troy Brower. Yeah, my fourth line right winger and by the way my other honorable mention forward i said that i had two of
1: them my honorable mention was andrew shaw okay well you lead me right there my fourth line left winger is andrew shaw i had brian bickle down scratched it out and added andrew shaw he is my fourth line left wing because look brian bickle had some huge playoff moments 17 seconds anyone remember that that was awesome but andrew shaw has had some big moments in the playoffs as well I think more consistent when he's in the lineup. So I gave him the edge over Bickle. It was close. My center is obviously Marcus Kruger. And my right wing, an unsung hero of the Blackhawks, Michael Froelik, really strong penalty killer, a guy whose offensive game never really came around for the Blackhawks. He had some scoring ability. He was able to score some decent goals, some big goals in his career here, but never was able to put together a big offensive season. But I love the way he checked, I love the way he defended. Like I said, really strong penalty killer, and uh, so Michael Furlick wins my fourth line right-wing spot. Before James and I get to our defenseman of the decade, want to tell you about our friends at Mariska's and Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. The Poor Boys, the Yodel Burger, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the twice-baked potatoes, the giant mountain of onion rings. You'll love every bite at Mariska's. Go visit them, 604 Theater Street. Visit com or facebook.com slash Marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for a New Year's Day meal, go hit up Joe and the zadrolovich family at Marishkas. All right, let's move on to our defensive pairs. Now, a little more leeway with the defensive pairs because it is so random, and it's only six players. So some of these guys you might consider second-pairing guys or top-pairing guys, but a little more flexibility here. What do you got for your top pair, as if it's not obvious?
0: <laughs> First of all, I am appalled that neither of us gave Victor Stahlberg any
1: love in the forward department. How dare us? He's on the uh, all decade hot piece of ass team, captained by <laughs> Patrick Sharp.
0: Um, I was actually a little bit surprised to see that he had hit the 150 game threshold with the Blackhawks. He actually played in 203 games with Chicago, so he would have qualified. Nick Schmaltz also hit that that lit. No, no kidding. Yeah, Nick Schmaltz played 163 games, but I ultimately just I didn't have a spot for him. I could have probably put him in, you know, maybe like done a little bit of an argument with maybe Alex DeBrinkit or something. But I I'm comfortable with what I ended up picking. The Blackhawks picked DeBrinkit, and dang it, so did I. All right. So anyway. this is a long way of saying first pairing is Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, and I'm going to hear no debate on this matter. No. What's your second pair? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we gloss it over, Duncan Keith was one of the top 10 NHL players of the decade. Sorry, NBC. Yeah, thank you. Um, second pairing also kind of, was kind of obvious to me because it works so well with the Blackhawks. It's Nick Jalmerson and Johnny Oduya.
1: Yes, this is my second pair as well talked about this with my wife who if you don't know her and I started dating by going to hawks games together she's a big a fan as as I am and she argued that Brian Campbell should be on this team and it's hard to disagree he was very good for the hawks um but just because of the chemistry that this pair had together I gave the edge to Oduya um just a complete player and everything the hawks hoped they were getting when they traded for him and more when they acquired Oduya what a great trade by Stan Bowman Uh, And look, as people want to blast Dan Bowman for all the bad things he's done, people forget about all the big trades he's made that worked out very, very well. And Johnny Oduya is a perfect example. So that's my second pair. What's your third pair, buddy? (sighs) The third
0: pair, it got rough because you got past the, the four real obvious ones. And I ended up having a situation where The Blackhawks had a total of 10 defensemen who met my 150 games played mark. And so I had to pick between six guys. One of them was Brian Campbell. I ended up having him on the third pairing. And then the other one I had to pick between the likes of Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Michael Roosevelt, Eric Gustafson. I ended up going with Connor murphy oh. on my third pairing
1: you know what that's not bad that's not a bad pick by any means
0: i i think i think campbell and murphy would have i i think in like say put them in their primes yep. i think that they would have worked pretty well together and then my honorable mention was nick letty
1: so okay Th- yep that's I, I where think, it was i think that your defensive pairings beat mine my third pair is nick letty who was a dynamic offensive defenseman Joel Quenville never really loved him so he didn't get to become fully realized in Chicago but I gave him the edge and my second and my third pairing right defenseman Dustin Bufflin
0: Yep see he didn't hit my 150 game threshold and I obviously I remember him playing really well for the Blackhawks the other thing I wanted to make sure that I did was to emphasize what they did in Chicago, and I primarily remember Dustin Bumf- Bufflin's impact as a forward during that 2010 Cup run.
1: There's no doubt, but he had some huge moments as a defenseman as well. Uh, so I like I like your I so far I like your defensive well they're done your defensive pairings win. I think your bo- your bottom tier uh, pairing of Campbell and Murphy is better than mine. Uh, so you win. Thank there. you. All right, goaltenders. I think we all know the obvious who the starting goalie would be minus Corey Crawford. James, I assume yours is the same. It is the same. Yes. All right. Backup goalies. And James, you mentioned uh, who was the player? Oh, Troy Brower. You had some interesting stats about Troy Brower. Here's some interesting stats about my backup goalie. He is second all time in Blackhawks history in goals against average with a 2.37. He is first all time in Blackhawks franchise history in save percentage with a 0.923 James would you like to take a stab at who I'm talking about
0: Um I am going to guess that it is
1: anti Miami It is Scott Darling
0: Wow oh, there yep How okay. about that
1: second all-time in Hawks history with a 2.37 goals against first all-time in franchise history with a 0.923 say percentage Scott Darling is my decade backup goalie very happy and pleased about it
0: (laughs) I I obviously had to make a little bit of an adjustment on the games played threshold because if I had done 150 games I only would have had Corey Crawford so I knocked it down to 100 I still would have only had Corey Crawford (laughs) I ended up knocking it down to 50 and I had three options I had Corey Crawford Scott Darling and Ray Emery and I, too, went with Scott Darling. Ray Emery is my honorable mention. It's a great one.
1: Ray Emery was really, really good when he played here. And uh, what a sad story, man. Oh, brutal. Yeah, but, absolutely.
0: Uh, like I, And I think people it just he was so freaking dominant during that 2013 season. It was unreal how well he played for that team. I saw NBC was doing a fan vote on the best team of the decade. I think the 2012-13 Blackhawks, even though it was a lockout-shortened season, that team went into the playoffs as the runaway favorite for the Cup, and they ended up winning it. And I, just, I think that that speaks volumes to how good the veteran leadership was on the team and the skill of the players that were on that team in every single position. They were so preposterously deep everywhere. And Ray Emery was a big part of that and was a big part of the reason they won that Cup that year is a great honorable mention pick. But like you, I ended up giving the edge to Darling, who I, I think gets a little bit um, undermentioned in terms of just how good he really was in his several seasons with the Blackhawks. And c- another thing to credit Stan Bowman for, he pulled the plug at the right time on Scott Darling and maximized the return that he ended up getting for him.
1: All right, and now the final category, the Coach of the Decade, Mine is Jeremy Colleton. Congratulations, Jeremy. He nearly uh, I, I edged. I
0: thought for sure you were going to go with John Torchetti.
1: Oh, man. Torch the torch corner. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Jeremy Colleton slightly edges out Joel Quinville uh, for coach of the. No, obviously not. Um, well, that was fun. I, I like your threshold. I think next decade we should establish a more. Because uh, you and I were using. I, I should have utilized your rule of 150 games. I like that. And it made it a little more difficult. Um, but, man, I like both of our teams. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to create a post on our Twitter account, and you could vote for which team you prefer, and we'll see who wins. And whoever wins, uh, they get um, a free uh, onion ring at Marishka's. There you go.
0: You know, about this, we go to Marishka's and
1: loser buys lunch. That sounds lovely. I'm down yeah. for that. All right. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this show and this decade of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I know there's a lot of decade jokes being made over the next couple days, but James and I have been part of this thing for over half a decade, and uh, we wouldn't be doing it without you. So uh, I want to say, and James, I'll give you the floor as well, I want to thank everybody who from day one when we were called the Big Navoski Hockey Podcast on 670 The Score's website uh, with no sponsors, no ads, no money, nothing, uh, jumped on right away and showed interest in hockey podcasting and when james and i saw those numbers we said all right let's let's take this thing seriously and let's turn this into something big and we have um over eighty thousand downloads a month to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast absolutely unbelievable so thank you all so much for your support and uh for spreading the word about the podcast if you've got a friend who loves hockey and loves the blackhawks make sure they know about the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously echo everything that Jay said about you guys for listening to this show. It's been an absolute thrill and an honor to do this for you guys. It's been... Just awesome. I have so much fun doing it. I'm looking forward to continuing to do it through the rest of the season, even though it gets kind of rough at times. I also wanted to uh, shout out our sponsors who have been with us throughout the years. Obviously, you know, you guys have all been wonderful, all wonderful companies and institutions. We encourage you to go to any and all of them tell them we sent you they are all doing really good work and we love their food and their jerseys and their beers and all that stuff that we've done over the years so thanks to them and most importantly of course thanks to Jay for giving me an opportunity to really explore my love and passion for the Blackhawks in a new way I've been wanting to do a podcast for many a year before he came along and kind of suggested that we do one together and buddy it's been a great five years and let's just uh let's keep this thing rolling man i appreciate everything that you do for the show and you're the best part you're the best podcast partner i could possibly ask for so thank
1: you i appreciate that and uh thank you for always being available and being the lowest maintenance partner i could possibly imagine uh if only my wife was as easy as you what i did oh. not say that i didn't mean that in a sexual way in any way shape or form as yeah, far you as done, anyone knows, know Goof now, man. All right. Well, we're going to thank our current sponsors, but a couple uh, we're on board for a big portion of this decade, and I want to mention them as well. The Black Oak was one of our first sponsors in Oak Lawn. Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, uh, our realtor, we had. He was our uh, all our three star realtor, and uh, of course, Rabbit Brewing. Go visit them in Homewood, Illinois. But want to thank our sponsors that we have rolling with us right now. Triple Threat Sports, who's been with us since day one. For uh, whatever you need, jerseys, corporate outfitting, anything. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill. They've been with us since maybe, the, what, the second or third month of the yeah. podcast. So thanks to Joe Zadrolovich yep. and his family for their continued support. Go support all these sponsors. Go visit them, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe. They're located in Burbank and Darien. They don't need our help, but they believe in the product, and uh, they help us out. Uh, by being great sponsors of the podcast. And of course, our newest sponsor, Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West one hundred eleven Street. Go visit a Zawoski at the Barrel Club in Oaklawn. Join their Spirit of the Month club at barrelclubillinois.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Let's hope the Hawks pick up two points on Tuesday night against the Calgary Flames and keep this thing rolling. For my partner, James Naveau, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks so much for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.